You guys, it's time for more. More stories, more possibility, more growth. I have practiced vulnerability my whole life, which I know sounds crazy, but soon you'll understand it's really true. Vulnerability is a popular word these days, but I made a commitment to myself as a young girl that I would show up as myself so that those around me would feel safe to do the same. This mindset has led to deep and fulfilling friendships. And what I started to notice is what's really easy for me is actually super hard for some people. So I want to help you to gain the confidence to step out and step up and be unapologetically yourself. When we're in proximity with people, we hear their real stories and we see them through different eyes and we can't not be changed. So here's what you need to know. This podcast is about more. More possibility comes from hearing people's stories and my hope is that when you see others get real, it will give you the permission to show up as who you were created to be. This podcast is centered around friendship and better understanding and I promise you will learn, obviously laugh, and grow if you click subscribe. But first, you've got to be ready for more. Dr. Shannon Morgenstern is on the podcast today, and I'm super excited. She's a naturopathic doctor with a private practice in Calgary, Alberta, who focuses on digestive complaints, hormones, and fatigue. Guys, this is stuff we need to know more about. Her goal is to help make the digestion and lives of especially millennial women as happy and healthy as they can be. Dr. Shannon has spoken on multiple stages with community groups, CrossFit teams, and national associations on topics related to gut health and digestion, environmental medicine for healthcare professionals, and stress management. She also has a monthly membership called Food as Medicine, where she shares her knowledge of gardening, preserving, helping make healthy food delicious, foraging, and even a little DIY medicine with participants to encourage true health and lasting well-being. I hope you enjoy this episode. Dr. Shannon Morgenstern, how are you doing today? I'm really good. How are you? Good. So excited to have my first cousin, probably my smartest cousin, just kidding to all the cousins who are listening, um, but my smartest doctor cousin on the podcast. So thanks so much for being on here. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I know to give um, the listeners just a little backstory, I was seeing recently in a release from the school board what they're going to be doing to um, clean our the public schools um, during, you know, uh, just to keep the school really, really clean. And they came out with like Clorox fogger was basically what it looks like. And I was so overwhelmed about my little precious children, um, you know, breathing all that garbage in every day. And I just wanted to talk to an expert about what we can do and how we can protect ourselves in a way that's really healthy. So thanks so much for engaging me on the topic. And I'm just so excited for you to speak to us today and give us some hope. Yeah, there's, there's lots to get through and there is lots that you can do. Um, topics like this may feel overwhelming at the beginning, but it's just sort of one of those things. It's tiny little baby steps. And then once you look back and you realize how much, how far you've come, it's, it's really exciting. So it's, it's definitely something that you can start today to work on, um, but it'll take a while and that's okay too. Well, I think even just feeling like when I, when I saw that release from the school board, I just cried. I just felt so helpless. And then to have a moment where I was like, okay, I need to take back my power. I need to decide what I can and can't control. And there are a lot of things we eat and do all the time that 
are still um, either a detriment to us or maybe they're neutral or they're you know, good things. And yet, how can I bring more good things in too? So even just having that kind of a mindset of there are other things I can still do. I haven't lost all ability to control the health in my family. Um, but before we do that, before we talk about that, can you take us on the journey of what led you to pursue um, naturopathic medicine? Yeah. So I grew up really always wanting to go into medicine, but the specialty kind of kept changing over time. Originally it was an ER doctor, then it was a pediatrician for a little while. It was even a psychiatrist. But when I was in high school, I started hanging out with these cousins on my dad's side um, who were about 10 years older than me. And they had had these corporate jobs in Calgary and were just super miserable with life. And they ended up moving out of the city and buying a hobby farm. And with them, we started watching all these incredibly depressing documentaries really about how everything from our food system to our banking system to our healthcare system was just super broken and corporate life was terrible and um, about really how nothing was sustainable or, or really true healing. Um, and so it was, it was all just about trying to get stuff done as quickly and as cheaply and as band-aidy as possible. Um, and it was really clear even to me as a, you know, a young teen that this wasn't going to be a good long-term way of life. Um, and so I kind of made it through almost all of my undergrad degree still not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life and, and kind of stumbled across naturopathic medicine. And, and when I realized kind of what it was and what the principles were behind the medicine, you know, of course, do no harm, um, doctor as teacher, rely on the body to heal itself, um, the healing power of nature. I was like, holy smokes, I am found and stumbled across a profession that really matches the way that I'm already living my life. And I just thought it was really cool to be able to find a job where that was the case. And so um, I went to naturopathic medical school in at a little school in Vancouver called Boucher. And um, it was wonderful. And I think it, it was such a, um, a fantastic entry to, to kind of dive deeper into all the things that I was really excited about in my teen years and to really find and know that there were options that weren't band-aidy and cheap and quick, but there was really true healing to be found for patients kind of no matter what their struggle was. I love that. I think, um, first of all, I just think, I don't know if I would pass all the classes, but like thinking about learning that all the time, like how, oh, it just feels there's just such a wholesome feeling for me all around natural medicine. Like it just feels like you said about um, the doctor as teacher and because doctors know so, so, so much. And yet I feel like so much of what they might learn about how things are impacted in the body is underutilized when all of a sudden it's like, just band-aid it with this, just band-aid it with this. Um, but I feel like you teach people how to live and how to live really well in a way that's sustainable for their bodies and for the environment. And um, I just think that's so cool. Like, I just can't even imagine sitting in those classes, the stuff you would learn. And then, and then you can't unlearn it also. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a, a nourishing, a nourishing profession. Um, I, I feel like you're definitely smart enough though. You definitely could have been an naturopathic doctor if you wanted oh, to. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Settled on insurance broker. Um, yeah. But I do think too, um, just, I think, I think you, you live it so well. And I think about, I came to you about, I want to say in 2015 and I had been teaching boot camp, and I was up at four in the morning all the time. And I was still doing my insurance job and raising my kids. And you were just like, it was like being with you just kind of felt like a hug, like a, 
like you were just like there to help me just breathe and then, you know, calm down and recognizing there was so much value. It wasn't just supplements and stuff like those obviously help. And those are tools, but it was how I was living my life that was running me ragged. And so I think that you live that so well yourself. And that's what I love about your Instagram and um, following you and, you know, seeing stuff pop up on Facebook and all that stuff. I think it's, you really do. That's like your brand. Like you really live that out. And that is what I love so much is it's not just, um, you know, like, like people often think with a doctor, you go to have, you know, prescriptions and that sort of thing, but it's different. It's like, you look at the person as a whole. And I think that is so, um, so much more effective and so much, um, more sustainable long-term for long-term health. That's kind of what you're looking at. So, no, I just, I think the stuff that you do is really cool. Um, what are some obstacles that you faced along the way, whether it's like literal bridges or mental barriers in becoming a natural naturopathic doctor? I think the biggest thing really was kind of the paradigm shift and getting over the idea that a lot of people think that we aren't science-based and that we're all just witch doctors and don't know or understand physiology or biochemistry and all that sort of stuff. And you know, we learned all the anatomy and biochemistry and physiology and, and we took all the courses and um, I, I think that it's it's really just a not only sort of a traditional way of healing because there's so much new, you know, new studies coming out all the time looking at the things that are kind of that we're studying and that have been used for a long time, but it's it's that like wholeness and that wellness and that really holistic care that you're getting and it really feels like medicine that that matches that connection that I really want people to find in their everyday lives. So it's, you know, we're, we're so exposed to so much stuff, but, but we're so disconnected from ourselves and our food and nature and all those sorts of things. And I think that piece is, is why sort of our modern society and corporate life and, you know, mega corporations is, is not going to be the way forever. There's such broken systems. And um, so that, that was a really, tough thing to kind of unlearn you know like we grew up as millennials eating dunkaroos and fruit by the foot and you know all these lunchables and all these awful things and um kind of refinding the the way back to health and well-being um and and kind of negating what a lot of mainstream kind of corporate living people believe in um it was tough but but once you, once you see the light, you can't go back. No, uh, not at all. And I do love some good Dunkaroos. <laughs> I have to say, I haven't Dunkaroos in forever. And I remember being like, let's, we'd go on a road trip and we would buy Dunkaroos for the car. And we would just like eat them like crazy because they're real small packages, yeah. right? So you have to eat like a few different packages of Dunkaroos, but that's funny. I think too, like, I'm really anti the easy button in life. I always say like, if, if you think it's too easy, it's probably like not the right choice. And so I always say that, um, I always say that about flu shots. I'm always like, you should just get the flu. Like, this is me. We don't need to, I won't go on a rant about that, but there are certain things that I just see as it's like working on your relationship. Like it can go into any aspect of life. It's just the easy way isn't the best way. And, and that's definitely with 
mass, you know, um, stock farms, mass, like all this mass production stuff too is, yeah, maybe we can feed more people in the world, but the damage that's going to be caused in the meantime and stuff is, it matters. And so, yeah, you're right. Like I was at a more local grocery store yesterday and I spent like three times the money, you know, because it wasn't, um, the price isn't brought down because of the mass production. And so, yeah, you feel it, but you have to make good choices all the time. And I think that easy button, whenever I'm like, this seems too easy or too cheap, like there's this grocery store in BC here where they have like giant turkey legs and it, they're like $2 and 76 cents. And I was like, I don't understand why is that turkey leg so cheap? And it probably weighs like two pounds and it looks like something off of Flintstones, but I'm like, I don't want to eat that. That looks like too easy, too cheap. And so that's where I think that um, it's interesting because you're right, I agree, that's totally not sustainable, but. Um, and yeah. it's all those hidden costs, right? That we just, we haven't factored in, you know, it's government subsidies. It's where is that waste going? How did that turkey yeah. grow up? What was the food it was eating? Um, all that is really, really important. And as a naturopathic doctor, I see all the side effects of what the easy button does to people. And I can tell you, it's not good, not pretty. No, and I love that. Like I, because it makes me feel like doing things the hard way is the right choice. Like knowing that the easy way isn't the easy way out. There's no easy way out. And so even I think oftentimes people will be overwhelmed, right? Like with this topic, like you said, there's just so much you could cover and look at. And there are so many things we could improve on, like a million things you could improve on, but it's just taking those little tiny steps. And I remember years ago, people saying you vote with your dollar. Um, when you want to, you know, buy healthy foods and local farming and organic produce and all that stuff. And I remember when Costco got bags, I know this isn't local, but Costco got organic bags of peppers. And I was like, I have voted with my dollar for 12 years and someone has finally heard me. And it's just such a funny thing, but all those little choices do go towards a certain end. Right. And they do matter. It's just remembering not to get too overwhelmed and losing sight that little choices do make a big difference. Totally. And I would also, I want to challenge your concept that, that just because it's healthy doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean it's always hard. So just okay. you're not buying the $2 turkey leg. It doesn't mean that, that healthy has to taste bad, or it doesn't mean that healthy right. has to be not easy. Right. No, it's that's just, true too. It's like a big, it's just a big sort of mindset shift and um, looking for the sort of intrinsic value that, that isn't brought to light and, and then sort of the quote unquote easy stuff to see how it actually isn't that easy in the long run. Right. No, that's true too. It's just a mindset shift. Totally. Okay. So huge question, as you know, I've sent it to you with many bullet points, <laughs> but what do you want us to understand about chemicals and our bodies? Yeah. So I think that the biggest thing that I want people to understand is that the, the government, while they're looking out for our overall general well-being, sort of, kind of, um, they're, they're, they don't have the ability to go through and, and look to have each chemical that we're exposed to on a daily basis individually studied and figure out not only what it does all by itself, but to figure out what it does when you add it to its friend and its friend's friend and all these other chemicals. So what, what the synergistic effects in our bodies are. The struggle really is that there are literally studies coming out on a, a daily basis, looking at what all these chemicals can do. Um, and it's, you know, it's stuff 
on our fruits and vegetables. It's stuff in our water. It's stuff in our shampoo and conditioner. It's stuff, you know, in, in our carpet cleaner. It's our laundry detergent. It's the vehicle exhaust that we're breathing when we're driving through traffic. It's, you know, there, there's unfortunately stuff everywhere. And this is where sort of the environmental medicine topic gets really overwhelming. Um, I would often joke with patients and say, do you eat food? Do you drink water? Do you breathe the air? If so, you've been exposed to toxicant chemicals that are probably making you sick. So it's, it's just, it's a lot and they do affect our bodies even in tiny, 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 what seems to be ridiculously small doses, it can have huge impacts on our health. So they, so you said toxicants, can you say what, tell us what that is? Yeah, so there's kind of a, it's a, a nuancy difference, but I, I really believe that this is sort of how you can tell whether or not somebody knows what they're talking about when it comes to environmental medicine. So a toxin um, is traditionally sort of defined is something that you'd think of that's naturally produced. So it would be like snake venom is a toxin. Um, mushrooms can produce spores that are aflatoxins. So it's, it's naturally produced things that are, are sort of toxic in our bodies. Whereas a toxicant is something that is sort of a man-made or produced chemical. So that could be like um, BPA, for example, is a really good one of that, or phthalates or parabens or those kinds of things. So um, if, if any sort of anybody who's claiming to know anything about environmental medicine claims that you know, BPA is a toxic, is a, a, a toxic substance um, or a toxin, they, they don't really know what they're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Cause you've said that word. So that's something I wanted to ask about. Um, are there specific toxicants then that are like, are there, like, I know there's, um, I want to say the dirty dozen and stuff, but are there specific ones that you're like, if you avoid one thing, avoid, like maybe if you avoid five things, is it, I can't even say any of those words, like thalphalates. I don't know how to say that word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and parabens or like, are there specific ones or do, like, or is there a way that they would know which ones are worse? That's a, that's a really good question. It's a really hard question to answer. I would say kind of some really big areas to start um, on this journey would be to um, look at what might be on or in your food. Um, Plastics is another really big one. There's literally plastic in everything for everything everywhere. Um, so plastics is a really big one where we're exposed to a lot of things. Fragrance in things is also a really big um, area for sure. And then another really big important one is, is water. Um, another really important one is the air that we're exposed to. So yeah, eating, drinking, um, breathing, and stuff we put on our skin. Um, I know those are huge topics, but um, those would be a, give you more than enough to do for a long time to work on those things. Well, and just a couple little things. I, I always say, because I live on Vancouver Island now, and I always just say, I feel like the air out here is just so good. Yeah. Like I, I could be breathing in, you know, like stuff that's blown over from Fukushima. I'm sure there are still things floating across the water, but it feels so clean and so fresh. Um, but I was going to say, so that's just, that was just bragging for a minute. That was just a minute of bragging. Cause I know I want you to move here. 
so there too so need to move here um but no something even just a few years ago when i was frustrated at the costs of some of like the healthier lotions and things that you put all over your body and living in alberta myself my skin was so dry so it was something i covered myself with all the time and that was when i went and found i had a little day with some friends and we found some pinterest recipes and made a couple different like face creams body butters deodorant i have kept using that for the last um, five years. And I absolutely love it. Um, I feel like I don't even get a sunburn with my body butter and stuff that I make. And I can save those recipes for another episode, but it's just, there are those little things were ways that I could actually save money by ordering some of the products in larger quantities off Amazon and still have a really beautiful, healthy skin product. Um, And I love that. And I felt so good about it because my body just absorbs it, right? Like it's just eating it. Yeah. And so I love some of those little, um, those little things that we can do. So when they test these toxicants and stuff, when you said like, it's, it's hard for them to like measure and know, and then know how they play in unison with other chemicals. Um, but like, Oh, what was my question? But with some of those, I'm wondering if like, do they test that on lab rats or is it that they have to wait for human specimens to kind of know what the long-term effects are? That's a really hard thing. There's definitely animals that sort of they can make comparisons with, but absolutely a lot of studies, they sort of start out with animal studies, whether it's looking at rats or, or pigs or, or, you know, those sorts of things, um, because it, it, it really is affecting not just us, but everything in the environment. You know, we've been seeing declining numbers in multiple species. The bees are all disappearing and dying. Like it's, it's sort of across species that, you know, it's, it's not just protecting our kids from the Clorox fogger at school. It's really ourselves and our environment and the animals and, and the whole planet itself. Well, and I guess it would also be hard for them to narrow down and to know if, if I was like put in a little glass box my whole life and then they introduced a chemical, they'd be like, oh, that impacted her this way. But there are so many, like so many chemicals around us that they could never know which one thing is causing it either. Yeah, it's, it's, it's right? a real huge challenge for them to try to figure out. Yeah, that's like, well, that's not my job. I can just sit over here and be judgy (laughs) as I drink my Diet Coke. Okay, look away. Um, Okay, so what are some things, some tips you could give us about how to protect ourselves and our kids? Um, Yeah, and then I wanted to ask about maybe some like, like things in general we could do to protect ourselves or, um, but also some things, maybe there'd be some supplements we could take. I don't know if there's certain things you would recommend we do. Yeah, so I think that the there's sort of a, a difference between the way that North America acts and the way that Europe acts. So in, in North America, we sort of have this innocent until proven guilty, which is good for law enforcement, but not so good for toxic and chemicals that we're exposed to. So in Europe, they use what's more called the precautionary principle. So basically, they're, they're much more careful about doing studies and assessing things ahead of time um, compared to here, where it's like, eh, prove that it's causing your crazy cancer or your infertility or all these awful things. And then maybe we'll eventually think about pulling it off the market. So precautionary principle is a really big one. And I think that we should try to live by that um, for ourselves as, as consumers. Um, but really, like I said, it, it truly should be one thing at a time. Um, the other thing that I think is really important for people to know is that these seven or 14 day cleanses that you see at health food stores are, are, are not enough at all in any sort of way. Um, and, and it's really, you know, if you've got health issues going on, it's really important that you do work with a doctor so that they can help to individualize you, whether 
it's a functional medicine medical doctor or um, a naturopathic doctor, but there are um, there are a lot of really great practitioners out there. And if you need some uh, referral or an, a name for somebody who's close to you, I'm, I'm happy to provide that for sure. Um, okay. But I think kind of the the really big things to, to look at and consider to start out would be try to eat organic as much as you can. Um, the environmental working group has got um, a dirty dozen that they release every year. So they look at and they test fruits and vegetables and then rank them from how contaminated they are with pesticides um, from kind of top to bottom every single year. And so the list changes each year. So as much as you can, if you can't afford to buy all organic, I totally get it, um, buying organic healthy food is a privilege that not everybody has access to which is really unfortunate and i really hope that can change um, but if you can just eat the dirtiest dozen fruits and vegetables organic or grow them at home um, that's a really good place to start the nice thing about some of those pesticides and herbicides and things that they use is once you can stop exposure to them they clear out of your system pretty quickly and so it really is a matter of avoidance versus having to do something with supplements for example um, one thing that's hugely hugely helpful really and i feel like this is sort of a, a roll your eyes at, at the doctor kind of moment but as much organic healthy green vegetables of anything that you can get in your diet is going to be fantastic the kales the brussels sprouts the broccoli um, those are kind of called brassicas and the brassicas are hugely important and and provide a lot of nutrients for the liver and things to function properly and to try to try to uh, keep up with all the things that we're exposed to on a regular basis and then really brightly colored fruits and vegetables So, you know the the bright orange and red bell peppers But it's really important. That they're organic because peppers are actually pretty high on the list for the environmental working groups um, Dirty dozen the other thing, you know berries strawberries blueberries blackberries um, If you can go out and either grow these things yourselves or buy them from a farmers market where you know the farmer I think that not only is is kind of keeping you away from a lot of the chemical exposure but it's also providing a connection to your food that I think so many of us have lost. You know, a lot of people, we, we um, have a little garden, a few little gardens actually, we, we grow some vegetables in one of our neighbor's backyards and she literally asked me how does celery grow? And that makes me really sad that like people don't know how things grow. Um, and I think it's, it's so important that we really get back to knowing where our food comes from and, or knowing the farmer if we can't grow it ourselves. And, and not only is that magical from a, um, you know where your food comes from, but then you can also avoid those, those toxicants as well. Um, and then fragrance is another really huge one, sort of like I mentioned before. Um, essential oils are okay, they're, they're safer, but essential oils are really, um, really, really, really strong medicine. And so they're also not something to mess around with. It's really important that you ensure if you're going to ingest any essential oils that you know that they're safe and that it's not just somebody trying to sell essential oils who's told you that it's safe to ingest. Because I literally cannot tell you the number of patients who have super messed up gut health because they've been ingesting essential oils that have been completely screwing everything up. Um, but getting back to fragrance in things, anything that's labeled on an ingredient list is saying fragrance or perfume is a toxic chemical and you want nothing to do with it. So go home, look at your laundry detergent, look at your shampoo and your conditioner, look at the soap you're using in your dishwasher and your sink. If it says fragrance or perfume, 
the next time you need to replace it, you don't have to go home and throw everything out, but the next time you need to replace it, find something that's either unscented without fragrance or perfume in it, or is scented with an essential oil. Um, the other thing that's really, really important, especially for women, because we put way more stuff on our bodies than men do in terms of makeup and lotion and all those sorts of things, is to know what's in all those products. So the Environmental Working Group, who does a dirty dozen, they also have um, a website called Skin Deep, which is a fantastic website where you can go through and see how, how sort of, um, how many toxicants are in your your product and they'll rank products from zero where zero is great and 10 10 being the worst so um, it's pretty eye-opening to sit down and go through sort of your makeup and personal care products to see where they score on those scales um, there's also a couple of fantastic apps that are helpful um, one of them is called uh, think dirty that one's a really good one and the other one is quite a good app it's called healthy living the healthy living is the environmental working groups app that they've got so you can kind of look up a bunch of different things on there um, but really like I said it's just one small step at a time don't feel like you have to go home and throw everything out um, start with a few different areas with a few different things and, and kind of go from there because you know I've, I've been interested in this even before I went into university even before I long before I went into naturopathic medicine and there's still stuff that that I'm working on and changing and trying to figure out better options for and that's something that I talk about a lot with patients is the idea of sort of good, better, best. And so while you may not be able to either afford or have access to the best of something, if you can do a little bit better than what you did before, you're still stepping in the, moving in the right direction. And, and that's huge and really important to sort of get excited about the progress you make. Um, and just know that environmental medicine is an overwhelming field, but you, you just gotta keep making little steps and moving in the right direction. I love that Think Dirty app. And I think um, my makeup is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's real because I was using, I won't say who I was using. Maybe that's bad when, I'm, when this podcast hits a million followers. Um, but the makeup that I was using um, is, and I still use, I still use a lot of it. Um, but I know that that's something I need to change. Um, something I thought about as you were talking, I didn't know the Dirty Dozen changed every year. Yeah. I'm shocked. They like go through and they test to see like, oh, sure enough, strawberries had 27 different pesticides on them this year and they ranked higher than, you know, peaches or like I just made that number up, but that's sort of, yeah, they, they do it yearly. So it changes. Oh, I will definitely need to check that out. Um, even I know when I got the organic box, when I was living in Edmonton, I loved that. And as soon as that cooperative came out, we got it right away and we got it for about seven years and then we moved here. Um, but I know even the farmers, like the local farmers would put little articles up on the organic box, box website and it would say things like, we brought these pests in this month. Like they'd bring in ladybugs, they'd bring in other actual pests to take care of some of the other pests. So it was so cool to see how they specifically planned for the certain crops and the pests that would show up to have pests that eat those pests. Like it was just really something that, I mean, farmers would know, but I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And I think just knowing what that process looks like, and especially if you aren't able or don't want to, that's fine. Sort of be that hands-on in terms of the production of your own food. I think it's really important to know your local farmer and know where your strawberries come from and know the struggles of, you know, what, why your peaches don't look perfect this year. It's because, oh, it was really wet. And so they struggled with this and they, you know, had to make um, arrangements for that. We've, we've been really coddled by 
um, supermarkets that only show us the the most beautiful produce without any pest damage or anything. Um, and and I think that that we've we've sort of lost touch. And um, I think that that needs to be brought back for sure in a huge way. Well, it's something I think about when you when you say. Um like about the farmers and stuff is I was a few years ago, I was getting an organic cow and I was splitting it with another family. Um, it was so funny because he literally like gave it kelp every day. He like massaged them. I swear it was like, they were the happiest cows. He even killed them. So they didn't have to get on a truck. Like it was incredible. They tasted like venison though. <laughs> they, were like, they didn't taste like the beef I grew up on that ate only corn. I know. Right? And that's the really sad part is that people don't even know what meat is supposed to taste like. I remember yeah with my the cousins who we watched all the depressing documentaries together one year they raised turkeys and so i was so excited i went and helped them butcher and clean and like do all this stuff and as a side note i I really believe that if if you are going to choose to eat meat, you need to understand what that means, and and that means knowing sort of what what that process looks like from um, raising the animal to having to kill it, um, and and process it. And I, I think that if you can't or don't want to stomach that, I honestly don't think you should be eating meat. Um, it's a really big responsibility that is shouldered on. You know, I I can't imagine. Um, working in a slaughterhouse and and that's why I choose to eat meat that you know as much as we can ha hasn't been in a slaughterhouse that's been mass produced in in a CAFO or a confined or a confined um huge animal feed lot and those sorts of things but um yeah it's 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 really sad anyway so back to the story about the turkeys so we we I helped process these turkeys and brought one home and I remember for Thanksgiving we cooked it up and I shared it with my then boyfriend and, and his family and and it was a sort of the same response they're like this tastes so weird and I'm like yeah that's what turkey's supposed to taste <laughs> like that's so funny even when I said to the farmer I'm like when will this cow be ready he's like I don't know maybe a year and a half I was like what He's like, well, it's not the supermarket. Like, I don't just have cows on hand all the time that are the right age and the right size. And he's like, this is what it's like when you're actually looking at a farm. And even that made me think about when I go to eat fruit now that's out of season. Yes. Or, right? Like, and then I'm like, I'm, I've been trying to choose in the last year to only eat stuff. Like, I only eat oranges when they're in season. Because the rest of the time, it tastes like crap, for one. And it feels like inauthentic to me. Like if it's not supposed to be growing right now, I shouldn't be eating it. Yeah. Or if it is supposed to be growing, it's growing halfway across the world and it's not going to yeah. be picked at its peak ripeness with its peak nutrients and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's, it's not worth eating. Well, and I think one of the biggest things, like I don't eat strawberries for the most part anymore because um, they're just so heavily covered in chemicals. And unless I get them like, you know, you know like I, I don't have any strawberry plants. I did have one and I killed it. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, but, um, but I'll often buy where they have the little basket and you know, it's from a farm nearby, like at the grocery store. Um, I'll buy those and stuff from time to time, but yeah, like there's a reason they last just a hot minute in your house because they don't last long. They're not supposed to last. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, we, we've been working on, um, expanding what we grow for food and it, it got a little bit ridiculous this year. Um, but you know, you, you pick kale or you pick lettuce and you bring it in and it's, it's wilting 10 or 15 minutes later. Like I don't, I, it just boggles my mind that, that they can have food be transported from thousands and thousands of kilometers away and sit and, you know, like that, that is not nutritious living. No. And I actually think um, even instead, like in the winter, instead of buying 
strawberries where I know like they came from Mexico or California, I'll buy frozen organic strawberries because then I know that they were peaked at ripe at when they were ripe and frozen right away. Yeah. And I feel way better about that than something that's been sitting on a truck forever to come yeah. here. And I think even, I think it was about March of 2020 when I was at the grocery store and I was trying to think, think of what foods to buy. And I was just, I thought I'm going to buy, like, I always think too, we could have an earthquake here. So then I'm like, okay, should I, I need to have some canned goods. So I loaded up on black beans, which I think I've told you, everyone else got toilet paper. I bought all the black beans um, for some reason. I don't even eat them that much. Now I'm like finding recipes to put my black beans in, but I, I was buying, I thought I'll get some peaches, some canned peaches. And I'm like cursing myself because I grew up eating my mom's canned peaches yeah. and I don't have an idea how to can anything. And so I was feeling really like sad and overwhelmed and inept on the whole topic. And then I thought, well, I'm going to buy some of these, these peaches in a jar. They were from Greece. Yeah. Like why? I was like, isn't someone in Georgia selling peaches? I don't understand why we went all the way to Greece. Like it just seemed. And then I I was just so mad. I'm like, why? Like, why is this coming? Why is my dill from Israel? Like what? It's just, it's, it's gone too far. And that means when things get really serious in the world, you're a lot closer to everybody. Like, you are so close. And so, yeah, I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot is not eating stuff out of season. And then if I do want to eat it, maybe buying it frozen or when it was in a state, you know, when it was frozen, so it's not been sitting out forever and artificially surviving or however you want to say that, but consider, and I think we, the big thing is we have to think, we need to think all the time you know, like think critically and think, because we can't just passively be shopping. Yeah. The unconscious consumer. Oh, yes. Yes. Unconscious consumer. It's very dangerous. And it goes into so many other things in life. Like this could go into any topic almost, but yeah, I think it's that the more we we stand there and look at what we're buying and think about it, it, we can't not ask ourselves hard questions. Yeah. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance comes with cancer and infertility and autoimmune disease and mood disorders and you know endotoxicity which is all the the issues with PCOS and thyroid issues and endometriosis and fibroids and like I see this in patients every day and you know these these things are are not not rare like they used to be and and that you know that you know, uh, ignorance is bliss. Like, oh, it's just better if I don't know. I promise you it's not because I, you know, people are getting to a place these days where their, their bodily detoxification systems are not able to keep up because we're just exposed to too much stuff. So the more you can do, the sooner you can do it, um, very much the better. Totally. No, totally. I got overwhelmed there for a minute. Sometimes I forget I should be asking you more questions. Um, okay. This is the tough one. If you could describe your journey in the last, how many years have you been doing this, Shannon? I graduated in 2014. Okay. So in the last six years in one word, did you find a word? What would it be? Or did you find a sentence for me? Yeah. I I feel like my journey has been, I guess a a hyphenated word has been eye-opening eye-opening it's been hugely eye-opening yeah that's a good one eye-opening I think even a conversation with you is eye always eye-opening 
good. Yeah. Right. Like it's no, I think it's just so good. And what would you want to tell your 16 year old self? That's the girl who was like watching these documentaries. Is that right? It totally was. I think that, um, probably watch a few less depressing documentaries because they're often really anxiety provoking and really stressful. And I would say sort of be more proactive and, and start to learn the skills from the previous generations as much as you can, because so much of this stuff is really being lost. And that's, you know, I, I've had so many people just like you said, you know, I don't know how to can, like, I want to learn how to do all this stuff. How do I garden? Like my parents didn't teach me these kinds of things or, you know, our, our grandparents weren't around to not be super duper old by the time we were actually able to learn these things. And, and so um, I've actually put together a, a membership called food as medicine, where my goal really is to teach the, especially millennial women generation. I really want us to be the healthiest generation that we can be, because I think that, that us and the Gen Zers and, you know, everybody who's coming up, we're really craving all this connection. And we really want to get back to health and well-being and wellness. And we, we understand that corporations have sold us this sort of false model of what living a good life is. And, and we know that that's super broken. And so um, I, I really want everybody to be as, as healthy as, as we can so that when crazy stuff happens, like global pandemics and you know, fingers crossed, it won't happen for a really long time. But like earthquakes, our bodies are like, listen, like you provided us with the nutrients and with the baseline that, that like we can sort this out and our stress levels can cope with this. And it's not sort of that last straw that breaks the camel's back that I literally see coming into my practice all the time where, you know, especially my type A patients, they push, 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 they go, go, go. And then that one last thing and the body's like, I can't do it anymore. And so we get patients on short-term disability and getting panic attacks and like all these awful, crazy things that, that if we had just, you know, taken the time to slow down and kind of get back to what true health and healing really is all about, we, we could avoid so much stress and overwhelm and, and crazy body conditions. Well, you know, I think I want to come back to that membership thing in a second, but I wanted to say that I know for my, do you think I'm type A? To say the least. Oh, that's funny. Because I'm always like, guys, I'm really, I'm, I'm always like, I'm really chill. It's mostly because, um, I'm, I'm in a leadership role. My assistant manager is super type A. So she thinks I'm like type F. Like I, I go to her house. I'm supposed to bring my laptop. I forget my laptop. I have to drive all the way home. And I feel like a type A person doesn't do things like that. And so, but I'm very, very high. I want to say high function or like hyper, I don't know, high functioning. I don't know what the word is. I get a lot of stuff done all the time, but I definitely don't feel the, like, I don't, I'm not a perfectionist. So I don't know if that's just that I'm type A, but there's no perfectionism attached. I don't know. Anyway, that's like for a whole other psychology conversation. Um, but I think my whole thing is, is slowing down. Like, even when you talk about canning, I'm like, part of what changed, I think years ago was our moms going to work. Like they didn't have time to can plums and, and pears and apples and all those things in the summer because they were working women and the women before them had been at home. And I think that's a big thing that we've lost too, is that like, I couldn't right now at this point in my life, I could literally not add something. Like I can't add a garden or canning. Yeah. Like I could probably do little bits of it, but not as far as like filling my pantry. And that is a dream. Like I would love to do that 
a little bit down the road, but that's the sort of thing where I think that's a big thing that changed. And that's, I think, also a large part of what's got cortisol running through our bodies all the time. And, you know, um, I think we need, like, that's something you've, I always think of that I associate with you is that calmness. You're very calm and tranquil. And I ne- I grew up with a mom who was super high functioning, got a ton of stuff done and would work, work, work to the book, work till she was in absolute misery. And so I saw that. So then when you were like, why are you going so fast? I'm like, what do you mean? Isn't there just one speed? Yeah. Right. But I think that would be a big, we would have to slow down if we were going to do some of that stuff. Well, and that's the hard part is that we're sort of in this really big transition phase where we know stuff is broken, but we have to be the ones to, to like fix and make things look a different way. So for example, even when I started practicing, I, I chose very specifically that I wasn't going to work five or six days a week. Which I think is so cool. And, and I think my, my health has hugely benefited from that. And I completely understand that comes from a place of, of privilege. And, you know, there's sort of lots of other um, nuancey things around that. But I think that that our, our generation and the ones younger than us are aching for that stuff. We know that something's missing and we can have these sort of on paper, like quote unquote, great lives that seem fantastic, but like our bodies are not, our bodies are not happy. Yeah. Where the generations above you would be like, Oh, you guys are lazy. You don't want to work. Yeah. Not that it's like, what has that gotten them? Yeah. And I say them like I'm 38. (laughs) No, you're still a millennial. You definitely count with us still for sure. So I am year one. I am like the, the wisest. I'm the grandma of the millennials. Yeah. I'm year one, 1982. But yeah, like I do, I think that's, that, that is something you see, even where now I would rather have way less things in my life. Like I don't want to have, you know, extras of anything. I want to have way less stuff and I want to have more time. And I think your generation would maybe say, I want to have a smaller house and have a smaller mortgage, right? Where for us, it was like travel. All of us were like, okay, well, our parents didn't really travel. So we're going to try and have smaller houses, less things and more travel. And I feel like you guys are like, I want to work less and have a better life. Yeah. Because I don't want to wait until I'm old and like old to retire (laughs) and then like do fun stuff with all the money that I've like penny pinched. And it's not to say that like, oh, I feel like millennials get such a hard rap. They're like, oh, you're just wasting all your money on avocado toast. And like, that's why we can't afford mortgages. <laughs> Organic avocado toast. Yeah. Okay. Like, the system is so broken. So like, if I can make my own sourdough and grow my own avocados, which you can do on Vancouver Island, by the what? way. Oh my gosh. Still, like how wonderfully fantastic is that? Except right now, like last night, I gave my kids plums and blackberries, but I did have to steal the plums off a neighbor's tree and be like, okay, kids, run. (laughs) So I'm going to have to get some of my own trees. And so, but that's really cool. I did not know that. And I went into a lady's yard yesterday and got a little tour of her, everything she's growing. And I couldn't believe the stuff that she's like, yeah, I like hacked this back and this whole thing grew. Like, it's just, this is just almost like a tropical place. Yeah, I feel like you you don't understand how easy gardeners have it until, and I'm sure we have it easy compared to other people, but in Calgary, we're a zone three. And I would also Ooh. say too that I don't, I really want to take out the the overwhelm that people feel in that gardening and canning and doing all this stuff is is not hard. See, if you move here, I will come steal off your tree and then come inside <laughs> and have iced tea with you or something. 
There you go. I feel like I'm going to steal from you and now you're going to give me a beverage. But don't forget also that our grandparents lived to be like, how old was grandma when she died? Do you remember? No. Grandpa was what, 97? Yeah, really old. Really old. So I feel like we've got that going for us. Yeah. I might be moving a little bit faster than grandma. You might be meeting in the middle. But um, I do think we have some, some good genetics. But no, I would like you to move here and plant some trees and then I can come over and steal your plums. And yeah, things are going to be crazy. Like I feel like this year we, we just upped things to a ridiculous level. We have a small garden in our backyard, but we were like, this is not enough. And we planted, this year we literally planted 50 pepper plants. Like, why did we do that? Like, I don't know, 50 (laughs) seeds seems really small when you plant them and then you got to put them somewhere, right? So we literally posted ads on Kijiji to find people who had gardens in their backyards that they weren't using. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. I love that. And I love your, I love your boyfriend too. You guys are just adorable. Um, with the peppers really quickly, I eat a lot of peppers in our house and I had been making the mistake. And when I didn't have organic ones, I would wash them with like my really natural soap to get any pesticides off. But those grow into the pepper, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a struggle. I would say ideally, especially if it's top you know, top 12 on the environmental working group, either buy organic or buy it local or don't eat it. There are some things that, that you can peel. So, you know, like, um, potatoes or a banana or grapefruit or those kinds of things that would be better, um, than kind of things where you have to eat the peel as well. But it's as, as much as you can avoid any sort of sprays or, or pesticides like that there there are some really good studies looking at the side effects of some of these things like the organophosphate pesticides and things like that and just as much as oh sorry just as much as you can avoid that the the hugely the better okay no i think that's that's really good advice and i love the thought of just deciding for right now you're not having that vegetable too and then it's even more special when you do have it again. And I would not have thought, I'm so shocked about the dirty dozen list changing. I'm like, what? I thought I like had it memorized. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I need to check that again. So no, that is such great information. So what is one thing that's saving your sanity right now, this week? Funny, serious. What's one thing saving your sanity? Um, how, despite, despite how much time and energy I'm putting into um, preserving all the food that we've grown this year, how unbelievably delicious it is. I cannot tell you. I just canned some salsa today. Um, we made some homemade spaghetti sauce the other day and canned it with meat that Brendan went out and hunted moose from last year um, on our grandparents' farmland where our aunt and uncle still are. Um, I just cannot tell you how, how good that stuff is. So despite everything crazy going on, I am so grateful for, for my garden and being able to go out and pick kale and Swiss chard and peppers and tomatoes. And it's, it's so magical. That is really cool. And so if, and so if you were like, I didn't know you could can meat. So you said you made the spaghetti sauce and there's meat in the sauce. Yeah. You have to pressure can it. Oh, okay. That's where it pops, right? Does it make a popping sound? They all make popping sounds. They all make popping sounds. I remember my mom and dad canning tomatoes and stuff like that for the winter. But yeah, that is so cool. And that's so cool that that is meat off grandma and grandpa's land. Like, I just, I just love that. I think that's amazing. Um, So where can my listeners find you online? 
yeah, I would say I'm, I'm most active kind of on Instagram. That's the best place to check me out. I'm always posting about kind of things that I'm getting up to in the garden and um, definitely some health tips here and there. But I, I really, to be honest, am, am kind of hoping to move away from private practice eventually because I feel like I can, I can get people feeling better on an individual level, but it's really hard to keep them feeling well and lead these healthy lives. And so that's kind of the direction that I've taken with the new membership. More lifestyle focused? More lifestyle focused and really just back to basics and learning about where your food comes from and options to um, preserve it and store it and how to forage and what to look for and some, you know, learning how to grow your own medicine at home. And it's just, it's, it's so magical and wonderful. That's even, that's incredible. I love even when you said, when you referenced essential oils and then said like, these are very serious medicine. There was a, um, a news article, like not an article, but a news segment out of Victoria last week where they were talking about how they've been adding essential oils in at the hospital. And I was like, what? it's Victoria. So <laughs> obviously that they're probably a little bit different, but I just thought that was incredible. Even how my kids um, when Brooks was little, he would get croup and I would, you know, stand in the shower and like nothing really worked. And I tried to do all these different things with him. And then after I had Colston, I had essential oils and I would mix five of them together, put them on his chest, his feet and his hands, not his hands, chest, back and his feet. And his croup cough was gone in like five minutes. And I know that's not always the case, but just like we've seen some really powerful things happen um, with our kids since we started using those. But yeah, like to remember to respect them and take them really seriously, um, you know, and be, and treat them as in that way is really wise. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So you didn't say what, like, what is your Instagram handle though? Well, yeah, I think it's just Dr. Shannon Morgenstern. Okay. And then do you have a website? I do have a website, but that's sort of more the, the patient side of things. Um, it's literally just Dr. Shannon Okay. No, that's awesome. And um, I wanted to say one thing saving my life right now is rice chips. Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. Cause I'm not having any, any junk food or anything. And so that's become like one of my favorite things is you make yourself some kale chips. The, the I don't love meat. them. I've tried. No, I've tried, but no, that's awesome. So yeah, I'm excited to have you on here again. Um, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. You're just like an absolute wealth of knowledge. People need to follow you on Instagram. Your pictures are absolutely beautiful. And you give all of us hope for the things that we can be doing in our, with our own bodies, um, with our gardens, with how we, you know, like package things up in our homes, whether it's plastic and glass and all that stuff. So thank you for the inspiration that you are. Um, it means a lot. And I'm just so happy that you're my family. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you're my family. So we'll have you on again and we'll kind of attack topics as they come. As far as your membership, is it all year round? When could people sign up? How does that work? Yeah. So it's, it's a closed membership. So basically that means you are able to come and sit on our VIP wait list um, and you'll get lots of tips and ideas and little projects and things to do in the meantime, but we open kind of a, a handful of times per year um, and we'll be opening up again, kind of the end of this year, December, early January for the next round so that people can get started for their gardens next year. Oh, that's so cool. So people go to drshannonmorgenstern.com they could on that website then sign up for the VIP wait list and then they would find out if they're going to be on it for the next membership round. There's a link in my Instagram for that one. Oh, awesome. Even yep. easier. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on here today, Shannon. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Awesome. You too. Thank you.
full stop, you guys. Does anyone know how celery grows? I didn't say anything because I felt stupid. And then I realized how inauthentic that was after I recorded this episode. So I promise on the next episode, the first thing I'm going to ask Dr. Shannon is, oh my gosh, how does celery grow? Probably a lot of us have no idea. Um, Thankfully, Dr. Shannon is going to pop on here from time to time to enlighten and educate us on all the ways we can stay clean and natural. I'm already so excited to talk to her again. If you liked what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Tune in next Wednesday for an episode with Laura Leflar, my executive coach, talking to us all about vision and how to truly live your best life. Have a great week, you guys. Thank you.